So no booze for Miss Cohen and Miss Cooper. Miss Anderson Cooper. They were not allowed to get drunk on CNN for New Year's Eve. At least that's what I saw on Twitter. They were doing virgin whatever shots or something. Not that we watched it or anything. Like I'm going to tune in to see those two minstrel queens, those two sloppy queens acting out like they usually do. Speaking of Miss Cohen, though, now he was hired back in 2017. That's when Kathy Griffin, that hysterical nut job, she got tossed off there. I think it was over that whole bloody decapitated mannequin head of Donald Trump. I think that's what got her canned. But I saw something on Out.com about it from those girls over at Out.com. Kathy Griffin slams Andy Cohen over replacing her on CNN's New Year's Eve show. So she's still apparently butthurt that she got replaced by that queen. I mean, five years later, she's still bitching about it. And I guess to add insult to injury, there's a clip of him from around that time. And in that clip, he played dumb. Like that's a stretch. But he played a bit dumb, pretended not to know her. And she's still butthurt about that. So she's like, Double butthurt about all of it. Talk about holding a grudge. And what do I always say, folks? Hell hath no fury like a woman or a queen scorned. No one holds a grudge better than a woman or a queen. And you women and queens out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And she is proving my point to a fault. Five years later, bitching, moaning, and complaining about Miss Cohen here to those silly mean girls over at Out.com. Kathy, honey, let it go. Jesus Christmas already. The queen got the better of you. Five years later, time to move on. And if that dumpster fire of a New Year's Eve special, if that hellish nightmare over on CNN wasn't bad enough, NBC, they had, get this white boy Malcolm X, they had Miley's New Year's Eve party starring Nepo baby Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton, which we'll get to in a second. Miley Cyrus, though, every time I'm channel surfing on Sirius XM and I come across one of her songs, I'm always like, first thing that pops into my head, oh my God, they're torturing cats to music. And folks, on more than one occasion, I have, in a panic, in a full-blown panic, I've called the ASPCA about it. And I told them, you've got to do something. They're torturing cats to music on Sirius XM. And they're always like, 
nah, that's just a Miley Cyrus song. And I'm like, really? Yes, trust us. Although we can certainly understand the confusion. You're not the only person calling about this. But Dolly Parton, what the hell? When did she get so desperate for attention that she'd agree to do something like this? Unless they tricked her into it. Come on, Dolly. It's a great New Year's Eve special. Get to hang out with a hip younger artist. It'll help your brand. That's what all the douchebag millennial Gen Z marketing folks like to say. Oh, it's all about your personal brand. And so she shows up after all the contracts have been signed. And she's like, ah, crap. They tricked me into hanging out with dopey Miley Cyrus. That Nepo baby, barely one hit wonder. There goes my personal brand. People are going to think I'm into torturing cats. That to me, watching that one, that be like one of the rings of hell. My ears bleeding as Miley Cyrus shrieks and poor Dolly Parton looking like she's stuck in a hostage situation. The only thing worse than those two minstrel sloppy queens over there at CNN would be Miley's New Year's Eve party. That would be my version of hell. Having to watch that for all eternity. So let's just go ahead and jump into things, folks. And this first one is from Fox News. Baba Wawa, journalistic pioneer, dead at 93. Walters notably created the View Talk Show. Ouch. Talk about kicking someone when they're down. This headline from Fox News. Of all the things that woman has been known for in her 93 years, they bring up the view. That to me, that be a stain on a legacy. Being known for creating that hen fest, that banal clown car of a talk show, those dopey, hysterical, leftist women yapping. Yap, 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 yap. Yapping on about garbage, nonsensical garbage. But her death, white boy Malcolm X, this does. I have to say, we've been begging a lot of questions lately. Last couple of shows, we've been doing a lot of begging. But this also does beg the question. Do we know how Ricky Martin, that queen, has reacted to this. Has Ricky come out and said anything just yet? No idea. I haven't seen anything either. And if you folks are out there going, Miller, Miller, what does Baba Wawa's death have to do with Ricky Martin? Well, we're getting there. Calm down out there. Settle down. Slow your roll. So picture it, folks. It's around the turn of the century. For those of you who don't know what that means, you've been more concerned with learning everyone's super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns. Far more concerned with that 
Then with learning how to read a calendar, turn of the century, that's the year 2000. It was around then. And back then, folks, Ricky Martin, he was still in the closet. Like, way back in the closet. How far back in the closet was Ricky Martin? He was so far back in the closet, folks. He was behind the shoes. That's how far back in the closet Ricky Martin was. So he sits down with Baba Wawa for an interview. And she rudely, she had the nerve to knock on that closet door. Asked him about, maybe possibly, being a big old queen. And Ricky, when she knocked on that closet door, he started to panic. Go away, go away. There's nobody here. There's nobody here hiding behind the shoes. And Baba Wawa, she wasn't going to take no for an answer. So she knocked again. And by this point, folks, Ricky, he was in a full-blown panic. Go away, go away, go away. Please, please, please. There's nobody here. There's nobody here hiding behind the shoes. And so, fast forward to what? How long's that been, White Boy Malcolm X? About a year or so ago? Is that when we had that Ricky Martin story, sir? You think? That's what I thought. But a year or so ago, Ricky had another interview. Completely forgot who it was with. But he brought up this interview, the one he had with Baba Wawa a couple of decades ago. And he said that he was still triggered and traumatized over it, still suffered from PTSD because Baba Wawa came banging on his closet door 20 years before. Which to me is like, that queen is holding a grudge. And what did we just talk about? What? Five, ten minutes ago? That hell hath no fury like a woman or a queen scorned. Like I said, folks, no one holds a grudge better than a woman or a queen. So when I ask about Ricky Martin and Baba Wawa, that's why I'm wondering if he said anything, if he wished her good riddance or anything, or maybe he might be a devious queen about this. He'll wait until she's buried. He'll sneak over to her gravesite, take a big old dump on it or something. I'll show you, Baba Wawa, banging on my closet door. Here's a big steaming pile of crap. Enjoy it in hell. And Ricky, if you do that, have yourself a a grand gay old time. And don't forget the toilet paper. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From LGBTQ Nation, those girls over at LGBTQ Nation, five times, test in Buttigieg, that low-ranked queen from Michigan, stood up for LGBTQ plus people this year. Chastin has become known for his LGBTQ plus activism and outspokenness when it comes to fighting for LGBTQ plus rights. Talk about a media hand job here. Those silly girls over at LGBTQ Nation giving Chastin Buttigieg, that low-ranked queen from Michigan, this love letter of an article, which is, if I were testing Buttigieg, well, first, I'd probably drink myself to death, having to wake up every day, see that prissy bitch staring back at me through a mirror. But before I did that, drank myself to death for being him, I'd be embarrassed by this. I would hang my head in shame over this paltry list. Well, I wouldn't call them achievements, although he's a millennial, so he'll probably want a participation trophy anyway. But you want to talk about a dumbass list? Here, how's this? Here are the five times Chest and Buttigieg, that low rank queen from Michigan, stood up for LGBTQ plus people this year. When he celebrated the sanctity of his marriage. What a joke. When he helped Tucker Carlson understand what coming out is. Another joke. When he stood up to hateful senators. Oh, he's so stunning and brave. When he called out Lauren Boebert's hypocrisy. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. B-O-E-B-E-R-T. Bo-Bert, Bowie-Bert. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't really care. She's some Republican representative out of Colorado. But that's number four, when he called out her hypocrisy. So I guess she said something he didn't like. And then the last one, when he called out Lauren Bobert's hypocrisy again. So I guess she said something else he didn't like. But that's it. That's all that lazy queen did last year. That's like all five of these. That's maybe an hour's worth of work. Maybe an hour's worth of work. Calling out Lauren's hypocrisy twice. 40% of his achievements here doing that. What would that be? A minute each? But to the vapid gay media with their heroes and villains narrative, Testin Buttigieg is a gay superhero. And so, this lazy queen barely lifts a finger to do anything, and they're all like, oh, he's so wonderful, clamoring to put him on the highest pedestal possible. St. Chastin of the trailer park. This is like Tom Daly level of media hand job. That spoiled little cat boy. 
that pocket queen in a Speedo, the vapid gay media love to worship at his feet. I bet you, though, I bet that even Tom Daly, I bet even he does more than Chaston. And Tom, that little queen, already has three other jobs. In addition to trying to get himself a fourth job as some sort of gay civil rights icon, another joke. But Tom, like I said, folks, he already has three jobs. He's already got to keep daddy happy, keep that tight little body looking good in a Speedo for daddy. He's already got to tell the nanny how to raise his kid for him. He's already got to dive off a platform every couple of years. Those three jobs, that's already a lot for one queen to handle. That is a full schedule for one celebrity queen to handle. But he keeps trying for that fourth job between everything else. And I bet Tom Daly, he does more in one week, does more for the tribe, our lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe, does more for the tribe in a week than this lazy queen, Chaston, than he does in an entire year. And Tom's probably like, what the what? That idiot American? That trailer park queen, the house husband to the transportation secretary who is so feckless in his job that he can't even fill a pothole. He's trying to usurp me as a gay civil rights icon. So poor Tom Daly, folks, having to be in competition with this clown, this low rank queen from Michigan for media hand jobs. That's got to be humiliating for him. All that he does, and this lazy queen might take away his title. And you two have fun fighting over that. And for our last story, folks, it's from the College Fix. The latest malady attributed to those of pale hue, deflective whiteness. Phenomenon involves claims of white victimhood an appropriation of social justice rhetoric. Here we go. Crafty, evil whitey is up to no good. Again. And deflective whiteness, or this book about deflective whiteness, is called Deflective Whiteness, Co-opting Black and Latinx Identity Politics. And this was written by Well, she has two names here. Don't ask, folks. I don't know. With the book, she used the name Hannah Noel, but her professional name is Hannah Haynes. And her profession, of course it is, she's a professor of interdisciplinary studies at the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts. And she also serves as affiliate faculty in Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies and as the advisor for the Critical Ethnic Studies minor. And if that's not bad enough, according to her faculty page, her training is in American Cultural Studies with a focus on critical race theory 
U.S. immigration history, and Latinx studies. And her interests, this is also from her faculty page, focus on the study and advocacy for racial and social justice, including immigrant and refugee rights. So white boy Malcolm X, question for you, sir. We have this book here, Deflective Whiteness, Co-opting Black and Latinx Identity Politics, which is just another book that trashes whitey, evil racist whitey, and how whitey is claiming victimhood and appropriating social justice rhetoric. Damn you, whitey. Damn you to hell. So we have that, that hot mess. And we have this college professor here, Hannah Haynes, who wrote this book. Guess, sir, guess what color Hannah Noel, Hannah Haynes is? Correct, sir. Very good. She is most definitely white. Was it her white girl named Hannah or the word Latinx? a word used almost exclusively by hysterical white liberals. Which of those gave it away for you, sir? Both. Well, yes, I can see that. But you are correct. She is a hysterical white liberal. And not just any hysterical white liberal, folks. She is a hysterical, millennial Gen Z chick kind of white liberal. The most hysterical of the hysterical white liberals. Because what do we know about hysterical white chicks? The younger ones, the millennial Gen Z chicks. We know that they love to go into the inner city. They go there to loot, riot, burn, have themselves a grand gay old time while they do it. They get to scream in Popo's face without any consequences, get to bang a black guy or two just to piss off their parents. And then when they're all done, all worn out from carrying on and causing mayhem and destruction in the inner city, they rush back to their lily white suburbs, back to the safety of mommy and daddy. And can you imagine being Robin D'Angelo right about now? the author of White Fragility. If I were Robin, I'd be like, what the blankety blank, blank, blank do you think you're doing? Hannah, 50 last names. If anyone, if any white person is going to write a book trashing whitey, that's going to be me. And Robin, folks, she's already written two books trashing whitey. She is world-renowned, self-loathing white author, Robin D'Angelo. She is the literary equivalent of world-renowned gay-for-pay actor, Benedict Cumberbatch. Or world-renowned gay-for-pay actress, Kate Blanchett. And if that's not bad enough, can you imagine being Ibram X. Kendi or Taneshi Coates, two of our favorite woke folk, Here on the Miller Frost podcast, these two, they already have to deal with one white interloper coming up on in their space, trying to take their Benjamins, 
steal book sales for herself. Now they have to deal with two white chicks trying to do it. I'm sure they're like, what is it with these self-loathing white chicks? These uppity self-loathing white chicks trying to steal our Benjamins. Why can't they find something else to write about? Like yoga pants, organic diets, how their loser husbands suck so they can't afford a Lexus SUV like their girlfriends have, like all the other uppity white women do. Trashing whitey is our shtick. Yes, that it is. So on that note, since I cannot top this hysterical white millennial college professor trashing whitey, even if she's a bad copycat who couldn't have an original thought if her life depended on it, since I cannot top that, it is time to plug pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this Monday edition of the Miller Frost Podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great start to your week, and we'll see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care.